I'm Jay Moran. I'm Bridget Jaipal Valenza. I'm Thomas O'Neill White. I'm Angelie Preston. And I'm Lorenzo Rodriguez. This is What's Next. A dedicated hour to have important conversations about the issues facing the marginalized and underrepresented communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We're going to have some real healing. We've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truth. What's Next continues our mission to discuss race, equity, and the common concerns of Buffalo's east side and beyond. In the suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. Welcome to What's Next. I'm Disabilities Desk Reporter Emily Watkins, and today I'm joined by paratransit activist Stephanie Speaker. Stephanie has been working for several years on a bill that would expand paratransit and give more people in Western New York access to the bus line that provides a service for seniors and people with disabilities. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thank you. To start, Stephanie, I'd love to have you briefly introduce yourself. I'm Stephanie Speaker. I'm a self-advocate for people with disabilities, veterans, and seniors. What does self-advocate mean? Self-advocate means that you stand up for people that cannot stand up for themselves. Mm. And you identify as having a disability yourself, correct? Yes, I do. And how has that impacted your work as a self-advocate, knowing that experience? Well, being a self-advocate, I've been a self-advocate since I was 21, and I'm 52 now. I experience self-advocacy as helping people, and I that's what I enjoy doing. I enjoy helping people. Hmm. I know that you don't just help people in your advocacy work. I know also your hobbies include helping people. Yes. And I'd love to have you talk a little bit about who you are too outside of the activist. I I my hobbies, I like doing my painting, I like doing my cross stitching, I like collecting autographs. Volunteering, I love volunteering and helping people. I volunteer at my church. I volunteer at the Red Cross mm. on Mondays and Wednesdays. And I also do meals on wheels on Mondays and Fridays. That's amazing. And I know that the way you get around to all of those things is, of course, paratransit. Yes. I will tell you. I will give you an example. Meals on Wheels, I was on a bus for three hours. Wow. That was last year. So I missed the people that I was supposed to go with. Mm. So now, then a service, service person told me, he goes, Stephanie, he goes, why don't you get here, have the bus pick you up between... 8.30, 8 and 8.30 to get here. Mm. So now that's what I do. I make my bus for 8, 8.30 to get to Meals on Wheels. And what time do you have to be at Meals on Wheels? I don't have to be at Meals on Wheels until 10.30, 20 after 10. Wow. So you have to show up extremely early to be able to volunteer. Yes. It does. The last, like I said, last year, I'm the bus, I was on the bus. They went to West Seneca, picked up a young man there, then went all the way 
to Buffalo, dropped him off there. Then they picked up a man and a lady, and then they decided to drop me off. That's a long time to spend on the bus. Yes. I know that this isn't the only experience you've had like that, and that all of this propelled you into the work you do. Can you tell me why you're trying to change paratransit? I'm trying to change paratransits for the better, that it can go further, and this won't happen to nobody nobody else. I, I love paratransit, but it has to be fixed up a little bit. So for people who aren't familiar with paratransit, what does taking a ride look like from scheduling it to actually getting on the bus? You got to call them up. You got to schedule your ride. They give you a window type. They give you a they give you a badge number that you got to keep track of. And you have to arrange you, they take that bill number mm-hmm. and they said, "Well, what's me?" They go, "Miss Speaker, when do you want to be picked up? And if it's on Tuesdays, I have to be picked up at 8.45 to 9.15 to get to the church. So you essentially call the NFTA and you tell them you're a paratransit rider. And then um, they give you a, win- a half an hour window. You need to be ready to be picked up, right? Yeah, yes, but the, the dispatcher sometimes... He tells you that you have to negotiate. Hmm. He and he goes, remember this is public transportation, not a taxi cab. So he asks you, what time do you want to be picked up? I told him eight forty-five to nine fifteen. He told me one time he goes, you'll take the nine nine o'clock to nine thirty. Take it or leave it. Hmm. I said, I guess I have to take it. So a big way that paratransit differs from the main line is like the main line has this set route that you know what time the bus is coming. It's coming at 9.15, 9.30, 9.45. But with paratransit, everyone calls to schedule their yes. trips and yes. then they create a route. Yes. And so it sounds like what's very difficult um, for people like you who use paratransit is that the way things are now, there's not a lot of wiggle room for you to get a ride when you actually need a ride. Yes. And I know you mentioned that there's been times where you or people you know have been stranded or needed immediate transportation. Can you give us an example of what you've done in that situation? Yes. Uh, the last time I was st- stuck, I was at the, they dropped me off at the wrong building. They were supposed to drop me off at... The library, because I had a self-advocacy thing there. They dropped me off at the Erie County Rats building. Mm. So my dad, I, the off the security guard, he come out and he told me, he goes, uh, Stephanie, he goes, you're loitering, young lady. I said, can I call my dad? Because I don't even know where I am. Mm. So I finally got in touch with my dad. My dad had to come pick me up mm. and then stay with me for the whole entire day and then take me back home again. So it's a matter of your independence, too, as a person with a disability. Yes. I, I try to be as independent as I can be because right now I want to show mom and dad that I can be independent. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to do when paratransit is not... Is not 
allowing you to be. Right. What does it feel like as a 50-year-old woman having to ask your parents to give you ride places? I shouldn't have to. I shouldn't have to. I should be depending on paratransit. That's one reason I took it. I made up my mind to get transportation because mom and dad are getting elderly. Mm -hmm. They're not in the best of health. And that's why I made the decision when I was a AmeriCorps member to take the transportation. And you have a disability that um, means you can't drive, correct? Yes, I have epilepsy since I was two. Mm. And I also have asthma and I'm mentally challenged. And um, I know that you and I have talked before about how how important your independence is to you. Yes. And what does it mean to you when paratransit is working well and you're able to get where you want to go um, without worry or stress or having to call your parents? Like, what's that feeling you feel? That that makes me feel good. But when they don't, they you should get to call them. Instead of a day before, you should get them called them on the same day, and you should get to make your your reservations. Mm. That's that's what I feel like. Have they told you why you can't make those same day reservations? No, they haven't. They just told me that you got to call. They told me, my friends, and the veterans and the seniors that we have to make it the day before. Mm-hmm. It has to be hard planning your whole life out. At- day before all yeah, the time. Yeah, 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 it is. <laughs> what do you do if you need a ride the day of? Like, what Like, what are your options? My options is to have mom and dad take me. So it makes you very, rely, like, reliant on friends and family. Yeah. See, I don't, I don't know. I got a lot of friends I can depend on, but I don't know what their lives are involving. Yeah. Is Uber or Lyft accessible to you? I don't like Uber too much. It's a safety issue. Yeah. Do you feel like, especially as a person with a disability, it makes you nervous? You don't know how people are going to... I just know, like, as a disabled person, sometimes people have really bad reactions to you being disabled. Yes, so I uh, I just depend on my paratransit, and if I can get around... Then I'm happy. Now, I know one of the challenges to getting around with paratransit right now is that the NFTA, they go based on the uh, federal minimum. And so for people who aren't familiar with the paratransit system, it was um, created by the federal government as an alternative to the mainline route for people with disabilities to have point-to-point service. And so when you have that mainline route um, as we call in the disability community the big bus route. When you have the big bus route, paratransit can only go three-fourths of a mile beyond big bus, Yes, they have to follow the big bus. Paratransit, I don't understand why paratransit can't have their own line, Mm -hmm. but paratransit follows big bus. And so if you live more than three-fourths of a mile off of a big bus line or you are working three-fourths of a mile or volunteering three-fourths of a mile off a big bus line, what happens when you try and get a trip Well, I'll give you an example. My My friend Valerie, she lives in Lockport. She filled out an application 
three times already. Mm. They denied her three times. For paratransit. For paratransit, and she doesn't know why they denied her. Mm. But they denied her, and she can't, she can't get around. She's, unless somebody takes her or picks her up, she can't get around. Yeah. But if, if you, as someone who's already already signed up for paratransit, say you have to you go You've got to recertify every three years. Mm. That's another thing I don't like. Yeah. That you got to recertify every three years. I just recertified. Mm. I'm waiting to hear back. I don't think if they got, if they got all your information mm-hmm. online... Why do you have to recertify every three years? Yeah. I know that in a lot of cases, a lot of people with disabilities feel that frustration about recertifying for different programs because for a lot of us, we have permanent disabilities, and it's not like in three years that's going to have changed, right? Right. But I guess my question is, um, say you're trying to go from your house to a store that is not near a bus route. They won't take you. They just won't take you. They just won't take you because you got to live three quarters of a mile of a bus stop. Mm-hmm. And if you don't live by a bus stop and that store is not by the bus stop, they won't take you. And so I know that was happening, as you mentioned um, in our previous conversations. People were trying to go from their home to the West Seneca Development Center for treatment, and it doesn't go there. It doesn't go there. It goes... It goes up to the Southgate Plaza. It drops you off at the Lupo in the Southgate Plaza. And then you've got to find your own way to get there. Even in the winter. Even in the winter. And they ex- they expect you to find your own way to get there. So like I said, when Mickey Kearns, I found my mistake, I asked him, I said, could you, could you help me? Hmm. I said, I, I'm not going to walk. Yeah. He goes, my staff will take you. I said, okay, how much do I have to pay the staff? He goes, an oyster crackers. And that was back when he was an assembly member and, and working in the Southgate Plaza. Correct? Yes. So I'm imagining you got dropped off at the Southgate Plaza yes. trying to go to the development center. Yes. And you were trying to find your way and you ended up in his office. Yes, I ended up in his office. And that's how I got the bill started for paratransit. Yeah, tell me a little bit more about what your bill is and what it paratransit, would Paratransit, it would, the paratransit bill would make paratransit go three miles and further. Hmm. Because right now, it's only going three quarters. That's a huge difference. And they're going to name, they're going to name the law after me when it gets passed. And now you've been trying to get this bill passed for nine years now, right? Yes, nine years. And it wouldn't just impact Buffalo, it would impact it, all it, New York it, State. It, it, my bill is good for, it's good for the whole entire state and 62 counties. That's incredible. And I know that in this journey of fighting for your bill, it convinced New York State to give the NFTA $750,000 back in April of 2022 Yes, um, to conduct a study to see the feasibility of your bill. Yes. And what has that process been like of going through this study? Well, the study just started like May the 22nd of this year. Mm. That was my first meeting. And then 
today was the second meeting that I've been to. This study is not just looking at the distance, but just improvements in general. Correct? Yes. And how hopeful are you that after this study, the NFTA and the state will be willing to make changes? Well, they have to make a lot of changes because <laughs> the buses, I would like to see the buses clean more. Mm. I would like to see paratransit go three miles. And you'd like to see more reliability as, and far I wouldn't as time, like, right? Uh, yes, and I wouldn't like to see the seats. The seats are falling apart and their sponges are all over the floor. Mm. But I don't improve in the electric buses what they want to get. Yeah. And, and I know you've also mentioned before, beyond just the scheduling issues, the timing issues, the distance, you're also concerned about the pay of workers. Too. Yes. Are they being paid fairly? Well, this is the thing. Big bus drivers make more money than small bus. Mm. Small bus only makes $24 an hour. Big bus makes $30 an hour. Mm. I think the bus drivers should get, get paid equally. Have you seen a lot of staff turnover on the bus? I did. I, I had a bus driver. She just started. I think that was last month. She said, Stephanie, today's my first day I'm meeting you. She goes, and it's my last day I'm meeting you. Mm. And I said, well, where, where are you going? And she goes, I'm going to Big Bus. She goes, because they make $30 more. They make $30 an hour. Mm. And Small Bus only makes $24 an hour. I would, if they want to keep their bus drivers, I think they should pay them equally. And I, I mean, I imagine that, you know, as we talked about with Uber and Lyft, like being able to trust the people who are taking you somewhere is really important. Yes. How important is it to keep and retain those bus drivers in terms of also getting to know our community, getting to know disabled people and know how to work they with them? They have to. I, the bus drivers have to go to training for to learn about disability people. Mm. And I think the bus drivers got to get to know people with disabilities. Yeah, I'm sure working with them longer, longer the better, right? Yes. Why should people care about public transportation? Public transportation is needed. And people rely on paratransit. And paratransit should learn how to serve their people. And I, I don't mean, like, not canceling people's trips. If you've seen Channel 9 News last, last um, month, I think it was, a young man was in a wheelchair, and he relies on it, they canceled, they call him up and they said they can't make it. Mm. I think that's that's wrong. Yeah. It's helping people. Got to keep in mind that you're helping people, people that need transportation. And also, I don't care how, if the big bus or small bus, I don't care, they're both buses, I think they should be paid equally. It doesn't depend on their size. It's about people valuing yes. paratransit, just the same as they value mainline. Yes. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I really appreciate your time. You're welcome.
Thanks for joining us on What's Next. We'll be back with more after these messages. The best of Western New York high school football is on WBFO every Friday night. Buffalo Toronto Public Media has partnered with Western New York Athletics to bring you the play-by-play of all the great football action live every Friday night at 7 all season long. Listen to Friday Night Lights on 88.7 FM or streaming on WBFO.org and the WBFO app. We here at Buffalo Toronto Public Media love culture, art, and our community. So we had to jump in when offered the chance to be part of the inaugural Fig Fashion Event. This evening of Fearless Fashion on September 30th at Seneca One will empower local designers and creators and provide an annual platform for the community to engage with Buffalo's burgeoning fashion industry. Visit figbuffalo.com for more information about the event and the designers. And keep listening to WBFO for opportunities to get to know them better. You're listening to What's Next, our place to discuss the important issues of our communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We want to hear from you. Click on the Talk to Us option in the WBFO app, and we will work to get your questions or comments on the air. Do you have a story or concern that we should be addressing? Email us using what's next at wbfo.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. Hello, and welcome back to What's Next. I'm producer and host for the second half of the proceedings here, uh, Lorenzo Rodriguez. And for this portion of, of the show, I'm joined by Shara Armprester. She's the author and founder of Natural Beauty Cuties. And we're going to be talking about self-care, self-love, self, just loving thyself, and also everything that comes with being a black, brown girl, person of color in, in today's world, just a, a child in, in this ever-changing landscape for, for, for young children, teens, and beyond. Uh, welcome, Shara. Hi, how are you? How's it going? Great, great. Thank you for being here. And uh, I'll, I started off by saying you're the you're an author. You recently, and I, I, I got this book because I got to start everything. Let me preface everything by saying, uh, why is this 38-year-old Hispanic man doing this interview? <laughs> uh, I'm a father. I'm here to learn. I'm, I think it's important that we, I'm a father of two daughters. So I need to, I need to educate myself as much as, as everyone else that's hopefully listened to this interview. But uh, you wrote Natural Beauty Cuties. Uh, it's 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 a gorgeous book, and in it you you first off you start with the preface of handle yourself with care. Yes, I love that. Um, a big part of the book, and and what you're doing with natural beauty cuties is self care, self worth. There's been a big push for that in general between between just it, it, there's there's all these uh, mindful apps and and just a, I've I've noticed just a, a great push to, to remind people, hey, you're important. You got to remind yourself that you're important. But why is it necessary to remind our young girls and women how much they matter? It's important because you matter, right? And I think when you're growing up, what do they teach you as a child? Think about kindergarten. I'm going to school. Make sure you share. Make sure you do this. Make sure you're nice and kind. But nobody tell you to be selfish and make sure you're nice and kind to yourself. If I'm not good for me, I can be good for nobody else. Mm. So promoting that to young girls, promoting that to women is something that I just stand on, right? So when we look at 
different phases in our life. And it's like, oh, if I would have treated myself a little bit better, that wouldn't have been the outcome. If I would have just poured into me a little bit more, I wouldn't have been as stressed in the situation. So it's important to put you first before you can take care of everyone else. We say all the other things, be what you want to be and mm-hmm. and reach for the stars, but also love yourself. Like yeah. it's, it's important. And we, we get caught up in everything else. And that goes for adults as well. You just, you get lost in, in the day to day and you forget, hey, I matter too. I gotta, yes. I gotta, I gotta give myself that 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 love. And and part of that in the in the in the book is about establishing routines. So important for children. Uh, I I've had to I've struggled with that my whole life, <laughs> and now as a parent, routines are essential. Uh, our our daughters are in bed by seven yes. seven thirty, and you need it. Mom and dad need it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they need it. They need to have some some setup routine. And and in in the book, it's a lot about brushing teeth, going yes. to bed. Uh, can you explain a little bit about that routine and why 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 young girls need to hear about that? So you need to hear it because you need structure, right? When you start in the working world, school teaches us to be great workers, right? This is this class you have to go to. This class you have to be on time. When you go to work, you have to be on time, and you need structure throughout your whole day. Um, Nobody taught me growing up a routine. Um, I didn't grow up privileged. I grew up like very much so poor and in poverty. So I was just kind of like fending for myself when I grew up. And nobody told me about a bedtime. Nobody told me the importance of getting up. Nobody told me these different things. We kind of were worrying about, is the lights going to be on today? Is the gas going to be on today? So we worried about different things without creating those boundaries. It was in my adult years that I was really, really stressed out. And my friend was like, just make your bed. It's a book called Make Your Bed Every Day or something. And I read this book, and if you, when you're in the military, they make you make Mm -hmm. your bed, and it needs to be so perfect that a coin can drop on this bed and bounce back up. So I'm like, if I could just make my bed every day, I have accomplished something, Um, and then I have a son. So getting my son into a routine of we have to get up at this time. The next step is to brush your teeth. The next step is to actually shower, do these things. And although I have a little boy, I also have nieces, and I teach them the same thing. We have to have a routine so our day can flow right and it goes um, so smooth yes. once they get into that that process like i mean I, everyone thinks their, their children are the best in the world and my, mine are <laughs> uh but part of that I, I i owe that to my wife and and the, the work she's done with them but it's instilling yeah. a routine because they know all right we're waking up we're having breakfast we're going to school we're coming yeah. back we're it's, it's brushing our teeth time it's it's yeah. reading a book and go to bed and some and people are so stressed out that they don't even do those things. It's like hard depression to keep up is with your real, own schedule, right? So. so it's like, okay, I brushed my teeth today. Check one. I've washed my face. Check two. <laughs> I've made my bed. Check three. So you've accomplished three small things in the course of your day. And congratulate yourself for those things because some people can't. That's that's it. I think a really important one uh, is reminding yourself, hey, I, I did some yeah. good today. <laughs> it's in your your checklist at the end of the book. There's mm-hmm. a 20 day self care checklist, and one of them is just Write down three things that, that you're grateful that, that you accomplished yeah. today. Uh, I think we all should take that into practice. Um, and Shara, what was the kind of, I think, it hinted at it, but what was the moment that made you say, you know, I need to put the, this message out there. I need to mm-hmm. I need to write a book. I need to I need to create natural beauty cuties and get this this messaging out there. 
Well, sometimes when you go through childhood traumas, you want to forget about them. So you put them way in the back of the closet and you don't think about it. Um, I've been privileged to work inside the school systems for a while in different capacities and work throughout our community in different capacities. And I've seen a lot. Um, what I used to do when I was in the high schools was just bringing tampons and bringing pads for the girls. At first, I was giving out condoms, and the school nurse was like, you can't give out condoms. That's a me job. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, what about pads and tampons, right? Just because I know so many girls were asking me for condoms, for pads, for tampons, and I wanted to bring them organic and natural ones. Um, so that's what I would do. One day, a girl came to me, and she was like, Miss A, so arm presser, Miss A. <laughs> so Miss A, do you have any pads? And I had just run out, so I'm like, a apologizing to her I'm like well let's walk to the main office to see if they have anything so we walk and we're talking I'm like oh, okay what day are you on your period like I'm really invested <laughs> in periods so she was telling me and we get to the office and they had these tampons and they were wrapped in cardboard so these are like old school tampons it, you probably don't know about this well, but <laughs> I mean, here's my ignoramus yes. uh, mind here uh my crow magnum mind, <laughs> mind uh it they, they come wrappers now They're they like come in like plastic, plastic wrappers, wrappers now yeah. but these were cardboard. cardboard so you can imagine we're going to say vagina right you can imagine sticking this tampon up your vagina and how uncomfortable that would be for someone mm. so i gave her one and now i'm apologetic i'm like i'm so sorry <laughs> Do you have anybody bringing you some? And we get into this conversation. She only asks us for one. And I'm like, well, Do are you going to get some for your friends? Yeah. It's 9 in the morning. I must add that to the story. So it was 9 in the morning. And she was like, no, I'll be okay. But she told me she was like on her second day of her period walking down. So usually your cycle is heavier on your second and third day. So there's no way that you'll be good to go for this whole day being on one tampon. So I explained to her like the toxic um, uh, the toxic syndrome that you can get if you mm -hmm. leave your pad up there for too long. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't educated. And then I had to think back to my childhood. Nobody ever told me about periods, how often I should change my pads how to really insert a tampon, what's the panty liner used for. So I created these cards. Um, they're cutie cards. So mm. what it does is breaks down every part of your period. Um, I felt education was really important. So I started making bags for the girls. And I wanted to give them like a daily supply. This is what you need. You need this many regular. If you're on your cycle and it's a little bit heavier, you can use a super. Overnight has more absorption. So these are things that girls kind of didn't know and they were grateful for these cards and I just started putting them in my office putting them in different spaces and then from there Natural Beauty Cuties was created. Did you get any, any pushback because I feel like in today's world mm -hmm. where we're having a lot of just heated discussions about about everyday things that should be addressed mm -hmm. especially when it comes to, to, to women in this country we're not having them and then yeah. if you have them you're kind of I don't know. You're, 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 all these stigmas and, and, and personal baggage are thrown at, at folks. Have, did you face some of that with when you first started Natural Beauty Cuties? It wasn't more so pushback. Um, it was just, we already have pads. Hmm. People have pads, but we don't have the good pads. We have pads that have been bleached with chlorine. So um, a period is to release toxins from your body. Right. So if I'm releasing toxins, but then I'm adding, adding a toxin, mm -hmm. now we create this weird thing in this weird space in our bodies where 
you get your pH balances thrown off. You may get a bacteria infection. Women get yeast infections. And it's not because it's sexually related. It's just an overgrowth in bacteria sometimes. So when you have this overgrowth, it messes things up. You get it often when you have these pads that's not great for you, when you have plastic. So it might be a top coating of recyclable stuff. You don't really know what that stuff is. And then right under that, it may be plastic. Um, cotton is good. Bamboo is good. So different bio. Bamboo. Yes, yeah, so they use bamboo. They have these bamboo pads, but they're actually made from the bamboo plant. So huh. um, they are doing this new biodegradable pads, but they're using it from natural products. Natural is sometimes the way to go because it's already around us, right? Like we, it's good. <laughs> it's just the way to go. So we jumped into the, mm-hmm. the developing part of, of a of a woman's life. Uh, the, the 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 book is still very much geared mm-hmm. towards the, the the younger generation up grade school. Yes. And before we get into, I really this is the the the, the bulk <laughs> of our conversation. Um, you also have something about a personal mantra. Yes. So a mantra, um, mantra is just pouring into you, right? So some days we don't feel great. So in the book, I created a mantra where I go through the steps of make three words that make you feel good about yourself. Um, Tell yourself these things, even if you're not having a great day. Do this, do that. So it's something that you can read to you when you're having great moments, right? And I'm pouring into me, and I'm like, you know what? I am dope. I am smart. (laughs) I am beautiful. And it's something that you can pour into you when you're not having those best days, where it's like, you know what? I am smart. I am great. I am beautiful. And you have to pour that into you, because sometimes your best friend is not available to talk to you, or your mom is at work, or this thing is happening. You have to be your best advocate. And you have to be your best advocate for yourself so just that pour back into me um, is so important and I wanted to share that with girls and also nutrition mm-hmm. huge component of just a healthy lifestyle you've got some recipes in here for the yes. for the, the the young girls to try out mm-hmm. you got a watermelon pizza <laughs> and a mango coconut sweet potato smoothie that yes. sounds amazing <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on I'm only surviving on a, on a bagel right now so mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> having seen that I was like mm. uh, what's a big also is that What's a big component that sh- caregivers and parents should be aware of when it comes to the daily nutrition of their of their kids? Um, it's important, right? What we put in our body, what we put on our body, all of that matters for our function in school. If your child is not eating a good balanced breakfast in the morning or not intaking enough water, you get sluggish. You get like the water one is, is water huge. is important. It's eighty percent of our bodies, yep. right? I'm the one that I'm constantly. I'm the one that's the drum I'm always beating on. It's yeah. Like, hey guys, you got to drink water. I'm mm-hmm. from Florida. Hydration. Stay hydrated. Yeah. Summer's gone and over with, but you still we forget. Yes. And there's a whole there's talking about products. Uh, there's a whole line of, of things mm-hmm. that. One of our colleagues here has one that that lights up to remind them to drink water. <laughs> oh, that's so cool! Yeah. But yeah, it's these little things. It's it's just mindfulness mm-hmm. is a big part of this that that we just have to remember to have that conversation with ourselves. Yeah. And now the other conversation that now you, you touched on it, and we're gonna we're we're gonna we're gonna get deep into it is is just menstruation, the the health around it, the conversations around or lack thereof. Yes. Because. Uh, uh, this, by the way, this card is fantastic. This is a nice little cheat sheet for me. <laughs> Great. Uh, what is a panty liner used for? How often do you change your sanita- sanitary napkin or tampon? And a fun fact, Mary Beatrice Davidson Kenner, she's the African-American inventor who was the first to patent the adjustable sanitary belt. Yes. This is awesome. <laughs> you brought us also, uh, myself and 
and Charles Gilbert, our associate producer, who's also a father of a, a daughter, brought brought us a, a, a cutie box. Yes. A cutie period box, which, I mean, these are things that you you take for granted. All that we've, we've spoken about here are people are saying, yeah, this is common sense. I know mm-hmm. this. Do you do? You do thankfully. Mm-hmm. But there's a large part of our population that's either having to undergo a number of other stressors or other yes. things in their lives or don't have somebody else to have that conversation with. And, um, and I was having previous conversations with my wife about this upcoming interview and she's like, why are you, <laughs> why are you doing it? And I'm like, oh, well, I'm, I'm the host today. Um, but she, one thing she brought up and, and we were talking briefly before the interview about your period story, your first period story. Yes. That's something that, uh, I mean, as a, as a man, I, I've never, never experienced, but, but you hear these instances and for my wife, hers came and went and she didn't tell anybody. She didn't tell her mother. She didn't tell her father. There was an aspect of shame there. Yes. But part of what you're, you're trying to do here is take down those, those stigmas, take down those barriers of, of, of lack of conversation and, and transparency and, and communication. Um, why, why, why do we get to this point? Why, why is that? It's so important because it's something that should be celebrated. It's that transition into young adulthood, right? So I'm going through this life, and it's starting way earlier, right, Mm -hmm. with a lot of girls. But I'm going through this life, and I don't have any worries. And now I have this new responsibility that's going to come every single month that I have to do extra to take care of myself. I have to go to the bathroom more and change my pad. I have to raise my hand a little bit more in class to say, hey, can I go to the bathroom? And sometimes you get teachers, they'd be like, you just went to the bathroom. And this girl may be feeling uncomfortable because I feel it down there. So now I wanna change my pad. Um, It should be celebrated and it shouldn't be so disheartening for some girls to walk in. You should be able to say, I'm on my period today in a room full of boys and be okay with it. And they just look and say, okay, she's on her period today. Um, we don't always get that, and it's shamed, and it's always talked about in these cold words. So you might say, mm-hmm. oh, cold red, or my friend down south, and you're <laughs> speaking in this language, like trying to hide and mask the fact that right. I'm going through something that is normal. Like this is a normal thing. A lot of girls don't want it to be normal, or I know I was growing up, and when I did disclose that I had my period, because I was very much so like your wife, I didn't tell anybody for months, and when I finally got it, like, somebody threw me a pad, like, oh, use this, and I'm like, I've been using socks, (laughs) I've been using (laughs) tissue, I've been using paper towels, I've been using whatever can be, like, this Band-Aid, because in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm dying, and, but no, I'm not, it stopped. I just needed to stop, right? And nobody talked to me. So when they did talk to me, it still wasn't a conversation. It was just like a here. And then we didn't always have pads, right? So mm-hmm. I was still, even though people knew about it, I was still using these other instruments to try to get me by. Um, bleed-throughs. Bleed-throughs is a big thing sometimes when people don't have resources. Now I'm embarrassed in school because... It's different different levels, yeah. different severities of... of, of yeah, and this is where we look into period poverty. Like, how do do we combat that? How do we celebrate it? How do we make sure all girls have access to it? If I can't play gym today, I just can't play gym today mm-hmm. because I don't feel good. So how do we have those conversations with teachers to say, this is a real thing? Not saying that I have to go and disclose to everybody. But if a child says, my stomach is hurting, I don't feel good. I got to sit out today. I got I to sit out. Be okay with the sit out. Right. Um, sometimes we just don't know how to be okay with being okay. And you said the, the, the key word of today's uh, portion of, of this conversation 
uh, period poverty. Mm-hmm. That's something that that once again, when we when we were, when I was researching for this interview, I didn't know nearly as much. I knew that there was there was a conversation going on, but the numbers that I found are just it's, it's alarming. Um, as of 2020, one in five girls miss school due to lack of menstrual hygiene items. Yes. Um, there's still there's still states that have these 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 items labeled as essential. Um, thankfully, we're we're going to get into. I wanted to ask you about that. The, what's called, dubbed the pink tax. Yes. But um, there's still a luxury tax placed on on uh, feminine hygiene products, um, and in schools, mm-hmm. just the availability. Uh, you you think about you, in certain places you go and there's there's a dispenser in, in the bathroom, but some places there's not. There's not a place to properly dispose of 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 soiled uh, items. Uh, in 2018, thankfully, New York State passed legislation that required elementary schools from six to twelve to provide no cost feminine hygiene products in the restrooms in their buildings. Yes. But something we found during the pandemic, we didn't have. We had girls that unfortunately could, didn't have access, didn't have the, the resources to buy their their own items, and and as such, went without them. Yes. Uh, give give us a little bit more on, on as far as like how big of an issue this is that we're not really properly addressing. It seems it's a huge issue. So if I start my day at home and I don't have a pad to go to school but I have a long bus ride. I know there is access to these pads at some of these schools, but I still have to make it there. Mm-hmm. So because I don't have it to start with at home, I may not make it to school that day. So that's a huge issue because they're giving a supply. While you're in school, you may be able to take extra, but they're not a lot, or they're not, like I said, the greatest items that you even want to utilize. Um, they don't send that supply home. Sometimes if you do get a supply home and you have multiple people living in your household, they may be like, oh, just give me one, right? So you still don't have a big enough supply. Um, it just causes like this weirdness when it comes to education because I am missing time in school. Like you said, during covid There was no access to that. We have a melting pot here in Buffalo. So when we say a melting pot, we have different people coming from different places. When you look at Kenya, it's girls out there that's killing themselves because Mm -hmm. of period shame. Um, You look at some places where I can't go into the temple because I'm on my period and they are making me feel like I'm going to pollute this place. Right. Like so different things for different cultures. So when we look at assimilation here, some some of these young girls that's coming from these different places. It's an added level of shame, yeah, too. Yeah, it's an added level of shame. And then we can't talk about it in my country anyway. So now I'm going through this thing by myself. So now they're we're looking at a body odor. So now I'm getting embarrassed because people are talking about me. I have these bleed-throughs. I have these things going on. But I don't know what to do because, one, I'm not even from here. This is not, like, okay or acceptable in my culture. I'm being shamed for it. But then you have this new tool and this new instrument that I know nothing about because my mother doesn't know about it. My father doesn't teach me about it. So it's just such a wide range of differences from different places that come with periods and period poverty that we sometimes don't look at it because we have these instruments, um, even if it's a lack of. And federal programs Mm -hmm. such as SNAP, uh, food stamps, they don't cover menstrual hygiene products. That's another big one that, that... we're not we're not we're not arming our our, our, our women and girls to, to just be go through life 
properly. Um, I mean, the, the numbers are are rather staggering. Um, I'm speaking with Shara Umprester, author and founder of Natural Beauty Cuties. We're talking about uh, period poverty uh, and, and just the, the, the need to destigmatize menstruation. Uh, when I was when I was a young boy in, in back back in Miami, it was, it was we didn't talk about these things because it's 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 that's yeah. a that's a that's a that's a women issue, but like like we're saying, we need to discuss these things because there's so many so many conversations that are being made by those that aren't going through it. Right, simple as that. And uh, like I mentioned, I, th- I think New York State is is on on the right direction, but um, I mean you still. You still had to recently. You were uh, out in Auburn doing an event where you helped uh, uh, furnish or, or put together a care closet for women and, and girls. And, and and I know that there's educators that have principals that have to yes. have a closet stocked that of that out of their own pocket mm-hmm. for these instances. Are you finding that still we're, we're a little bit behind on, on? Oh, we're definitely behind on it. Yes. Because we have, we have them, like I said, but we don't have this large access to them. Like, what do I do on the weekends when it's not school? Mm-hmm. If my period starts on a Friday afternoon, right when I leave school, now I have to go this whole weekend without having any type of supply. So do we give like these girls, these young girls, a monthly supply every month that you can just go to your office or go to this closet and pick up these things and you don't have to ask about it. You don't have to talk about it. You just have to say, let me grab and go. Um, How do we really combat that? When you look at the period tax, you said it's lifted, well, the pink tax, sorry, Mm -hmm. Um, it's lifted here in New York State. But when you look at Texas or different places, you don't have tax on cowboy boots, but you have tax on pads. So right. we're still like in this weird thing here in America where everybody is not being treated the same. Um, this is a medical condition, right? Having right. a period is something that most women get. Um, some don't, but most throughout your life, you will experience your period. If I had asthma, I'll have an asthma pump. Mm-hmm. Why can't I have pads if I have like a period? So it's just so much to explore because it's a lack of, and sometimes we just don't really pay attention if we're not going through it. Are schools having those conversations? Because uh, I remember getting to sixth grade and it was let's have sex ed talk, mm-hmm. but and then they split up the classes and, and then those conversations are had, and one can only assume when it goes on in the yeah. other classroom. <laughs> But have you found that that we're getting to that that point where I don't those think we have them fully. I think they touched on them in health class, and like you said, it's sometimes that split. So in my class, I may be getting taught about periods, but now these young men are not being taught mm-hmm. about periods. If I have a girlfriend, I need to know my girlfriend is going to get a period. Right. If I have a wife, I need to know or a sister. She's going to go through this thing, right? So if she's a little irritable, or if she's a little weak and just has a headache or doesn't feel well. I can't say, well, what's going on? No, she's on her period, and I'm understanding because I've been taught about this thing that happens to all women, most women. Um, but, no, I don't think it's being touched on in a way where you can really understand it, you know what to do, you have the proper education about how to care for yourself around periods um, during your period when you're in school. So if, I, if I'm if i a single parent, have a daughter, I don't have that that. That womanly figure in, in mm-hmm. around us to, to have to to unfortunate to, to pass on because that's yeah. that's sometimes what men feel like they mm-hmm. like I'm not equipped to have this conversation. Um, I ha- I see my 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 colleague Charles <laughs> who went through this same issue 
uh, with his daughter. He was. Uh, some people are alone in this conversation. Yeah. What's the best advice? What What can you counsel? What can you coach up a, a father? Uh, to how do you how do you have that conversation with your daughter? So when I would say talking to a father, um, there are different resources. So you can go to your doctor, right, and you can say. It's almost that time. I don't even know when periods are going to start. What do I tell my daughter? Mm -hmm. Um, Talk to your daughter and embrace it. Tell her, you know, this thing is going to happen in your body, and you will go through some changes. This is what it's going to look like. Um, I know one of my friends thought she had drunk Loganberry one day, and then her period started. And she was like, oh, man. I can't have Loganberry anymore. I can't drink Loganberry anymore. Um, It's just this, this will happen to you. And it's okay. This is normal. Celebrate it. Like, we're going to make this a fun day. Um, A lot of girls think, like, oh, man, I got my period. My life is over. (laughs) But, no, embrace it. Make it a fun day. Do what she loves to do on that day. If you want to go to the movies, let's celebrate by going to the movies. Let's watch a movie at home. Spend that time because... It's going to be this weird transition that she goes through where she feels like everybody is going to know I'm on my period. Or um, why does it smell like this? Like blood is coming out of you, so it may smell a little bit different or you may be feeling a little off or I'm feeling weak. I have a headache. These are symptoms that I'm not experiencing. Um, Tell her it's going to be it's going to be okay and just walk through that journey with her and be there for her because every child is going to be different. Some people are going to take it like champs, like, oh, got my period today, and the day just goes on like it's nothing happened. But some are going to be like, oh, no, like, I got my period today, or they won't tell you. So you look for signs and symptoms in your children. My stomach is hurting. Okay, if I know my daughter is at that 10, 11 year old Mark, and she keeps saying, My stomach is hurting, she's kind of low on energy. She may be transitioning to getting your per period. So now you want to start having those conversations like, Oh, I see the change is coming, but it may happen as early as nine. Um, I know I'm working with um, an organization, they're an upcoming organization, um, talking about autism and black mm. children. How do we have those conversations with children who have disabilities that don't understand? My body will be going through these changes. That's, That's a that, whole that, nother yeah. like facet because it's like I already sometimes don't understand what's going on around me or I understand what's going on around me, but you don't understand me. So how do you have a conversation and tell a child that the world sometimes looks at as different, right? That this different thing is going to now happen to them. So, like, facilitating those conversations with children that's on the spectrum is a whole different um, thing that we sometimes don't think about or touch on or talk about. That's a lot. There's yeah. a lot there. And and you mentioned in the, at the preface of the book that you're not a medical practitioner, a mm-hmm. professional, but... But you've been around this. You're you are a woman. You've been yes. around this, and now you made it your your mission. Um, but the conversations, I think, and that's what I. A lot of times, what we try here is to just we're not going to solve mm-hmm. everything. Uh, we're not going to take away the the 21 states <laughs> that that still have taxes on these these items. Uh, but having the conversation, and then and that hopefully just trickles out and ripple effects, and and we start having some serious changes to help uh, help our, our, our female population. Um, as far as, as conversations, misconceptions about mm-hmm. menstruation, I mean, one thing that, that, that goes without saying, and but we sometimes, once again, don't think it, not all menstruators are women and not mm-hmm. all women menstruate. Right. Any Anything on that or any other misconceptions that, that, that the general populace may have about periods? 
Um, I think that there's a misconception that everybody's period looks the same. It doesn't. My period can last three days where yours can last 10. Um, it's a misconception that everybody is going to get cramps on their period. Sometimes you don't get cramps, but sometimes you get massive cramps where you're in a ball and that's not normal. Um, when we look at periods, it's just a, you're going to get through it. Some people can't get through it because they have other things associated with their periods. They may have endometriosis or they may mm -hmm. have some other medical conditions where it may be easy for you, but it's harder for me. So I think it's a ton of misconceptions when we look at just what we may go through in our period, but not looking at that outside lens what somebody else may go through in theirs. And we touched on it briefly, but the pink tax, mm -hmm. not the case here. We're trying to change that. What can, what would you advise? Um, I mean, first off, we, we kind of touched on it, but that includes uh, razor blades. That's yes. how I came across <laughs> it. With, with, with uh, everything marketed towards, to, towards a female population, uh, has a little bit extra, mm -hmm. extra surplus uh, baked into the price there. Yeah. Uh, what else, what else has that issue going on with it? Um, I would say even when we look at um, bladder inconsistencies, I know we kind of touched on that when we were talking personally. Um, women get that sometimes after they have a baby. They have these bladder inconsistencies. Mm -hmm. We think that happens just in our older population. But that's something that they weren't covering at a time when it came to this pink tax. It was kind of like, well, it's happening, but it's not happening to everyone. Um, a lot of things are associated with, and then like you said, razors, it might be a shaving cream, it might mm -hmm. be different things that we need. Um, feminine soap is not always covered, so you have to tax that. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, so it's different taxes on soaps, but for guys, the weird thing about this pink tax, some of the guys' hygiene products weren't being taxed where ours still were being taxed. Mm -hmm. So you might have no tax on your Dove, but I might have tax on my Dove. I'm just using Dove as example, but <laughs> on soap in general. Right. Um, so guys didn't have certain things taxed, but women still had certain things taxed. So it was like, well, what do we do to deserve this 8.75? <laughs> and you don't. So it's just it's a lot when it comes to Once that. Once again, just identifying <laughs> these 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 uh, these discrepancies and mm -hmm. and just uh, unfair practices. Yeah, I think is it, it goes will go a long way. We have a few more minutes here, about a minute or so left, and I want to give you some time. If folks want to get more information about the work you're doing, where can they go? Where can they seek out Natural Beauty Cuties? Yeah, so I'm online at www.naturalbeauties.com. If you want to try the product, what I just recently did is donate it to the Frankie Mayweather Library. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make That's sure that... Yes, where we met. So I wanted to make sure people had access to pads. 5% of everything in my business that I earn goes back into the community. So I want to make sure I can leave just a mark in little spaces to make sure that people are getting what they need. So that card I gave you, um, that that's goes in the box, but I have these things called cutie bags. So it's the daily supply plus the education surrounding it. So if you want to just try the product or you're ever in need of something or know somebody that's in need, um, I'm giving 84 of those pads to the Frank E. Mayweather Library on a monthly basis right now and hopefully i can keep doing that in different spaces well it's awesome it's great that you're you're bringing shedding some light on this because like i said uh there's some of us that are in the dark about it so it's it's important and also at the the the, the crux of all this um empowering our <clears throat> excuse me empowering our women empowering our young young girls 
to, to just value themselves and, yes. and know that they that they're they're important queens. Yes, love them, you more. <laughs> Shara Armpresser, thank you so much for thank joining you. us on What's Next today. Thank you, I appreciate you. We want to also thank Stephanie Speaker for uh, joining Emily Watkins earlier today. And we want to thank you for listening to What's Next. I'm Lorenzo Rodriguez, and you're listening to us on WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOLN Olean, and WUBJ Jamestown, your NPR station.